the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, you only get 12 of these a year, folks. It's a pay-per-view week, and it's an Anakin Florian podcast for you on a Monday. It's episode, like, 317 of this goddamn thing. Good to be with you Monday, September 20th, 2021. I'm not much of an award show guy, but because I said goddamn off the top of the show, it got me thinking I saw some gentleman go up and accept an award at the Emmys last night, and he basically said, he said, because I'm not allowed to swear up here, and then he proceeded to say every cuss in the book. So he was basically bleeped out for seven seconds. I immediately went and told my kids. You know, Riley actually was watching at the time. And it's like, perfect. If your father swears and you see this guy, right? Because <laughs> all day, um, I mean, not all day, but I'm, I don't think it's a big deal to cuss in front of your children. I don't go out of my way to do it. But obviously, they've heard me say fuck a million times at this point in time. And they don't swear at school. So that's fine. But I'm watching the Emmys for a minute with Riley. And of course, this dude who she sees in this fancy tuxedo come up to accept this award at this stuffy event. And he says, well, I can't swear up here. So fuck shit. You know, my daughter's like, whoa, this guy's just like my dad. <laughs> um, how are you, Kenny? How are you? I- I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I'm excited for this pay-per-view this weekend, man. It should be fun. couple things off the top. I have a gift for you. Uh, Anakin Florian podcast, Pocket Squares, courtesy of my tailor, Mark Russell. You like nice. that? Nice. Yeah, I so like I that, of, dude. One for you. Excuse me. Two for you. One for Cody Merrow. None for Longo. I'm not even hey. sure what he... Does Longo own a suit? Does Longo he... does not own a suit. I, I, I guarantee you. And if it does, he's got one. Over, under one. I yeah. think we should do some bets. Right. Yeah. Might not know what a pocket square is that Ray Longo. His black suit in the closet, probably as dusty as this blue microphone that I dusted off for today's show. If you're watching on YouTube, yes, I'm in my son's uh, bedroom. We've had some issues there. We're getting the uh, master bathroom renovated, and uh, it's taken about a year at this point. No, it's it's taken a while. So I'm in my son's son's bedroom today. But we have a lot to get into today. Kenflo, I bought Bitcoin this morning, by the way. I'm not going to reveal how much, but uh, yes. another Bitcoin purchase. Now, I know there's plenty of people out there who don't know what it is, and I'm among them, right? And I know there are also people probably like yourself who buy it um, monthly in a recurring way or however yeah. you do what you do. I'm just letting you know as a Bitcoin enthusiast and proponent that I bought some this morning at 43000 and change, and lo and behold, it's already over that- 44. Let's go. That's how you do it, John. I'm so proud of you. All right. Uh, three days ago, I bought some, and I bought some this morning uh, again. All right. Uh, you gotta gotta buy them when it goes on sale. All right. I like it. All right. Yeah. It's yeah. Actually, more than my twin bro and I thought we would get out of you today that you did make a couple of purchases <laughs> over the last few days. Yes, right. I did. So, of course, coming up, we will have predictions. Seven of them, by the way, for UFC 266 Volkanovski versus Ortega. Uh, but we want to begin headlines, of course, with our recap of UFC Fight Night Smith versus Span. How about Anthony Lionheart Smith? I mean, I got to lo- a lot to say about this individual, um, but this is a big win now, three straight for uh, Anthony Lionheart Smith, and didn't take him more than three minutes and 47 seconds to submit 
Ryan Superman span Ken Flo, what'd you think of the UFC main event last Saturday night? You know, now we're seeing a consistent Anthony Smith, an Anthony Smith that is mentally, physically, and technically there. Um, I thought he did exactly what he needed to do in that fight against uh, Span. I thought um, more than anything else, I think those hooks were landing and Span just wasn't seeing those shots. So that was nice to see. And I think, you know, he had the big advantage on the ground. That's where he ended up taking it. Uh, And uh, I thought this was an awesome performance from him. So we're in an era where the UFC roster might be around 700 fighters. Maybe it's a little bit south of that, right? But you're seeing a lot of fighters get opportunities on short notice and otherwise getting into Dana White's contender series and taking advantage of the COVID-19 climate to whatever degree. Anthony Smith seemed pretty heated in advance of this matchup, right? Um, And not that it was anything that worked against him, right? It was something that he was able to channel in a positive way, but seemed like he took issue with some things that Ryan Spann said leading up to the fight. And I think the greater point I'm making in a not super great way is that it took Anthony Smith 27 fights to get into the UFC. He had 27 pro fights before Ryan Spann made his pro debut. So I think Anthony Smith, in a broader sense, is sort of taking issue with a lot of guys who maybe think they're on his level or who have put in the time and the finances and the energy over 20 years to get where he is. And he doesn't believe they have. And obviously this result is uh, a chance for him to puff out his chest a little bit. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. You know, I think that when you have a guy in Anthony Smith who has fought for as long as he has a guy who was in the UFC was booted out of the UFC, then came back to prove himself. um, I, I think that, you know, those are kind of still old wounds uh, a little bit that hurt. And he wanted to go out there and prove to span and everyone else who doubted him that he belongs in the UFC. And not only that he belongs, but that he's elite. And right. I think he proved that against span. I, I think that span is a very dangerous guy. I think the difference in that fight though, and, and it's a very simple thing, but I think it's an important point is that span was fighting, knowing that he had to finish that fight on the feet. And when you're afraid of going to the ground and you know that that guy standing across from you has a huge advantage in another area and you find yourself in that area, you're going to see desperation. And being desperate in any spot, let alone being in the octagon, is a terrible place to be. And you could see that nervousness. Uh, And for Anthony Smith, he just seemed cool, comfortable, and ready to rock. And uh, he went out there and delivered an excellent performance because of it. And you can only say the Mark Montoya coach 2021 version of Anthony Smith is underrated on the feet. And go look at the body of work, right? 36 pro wins, 34 finishes, two decision wins in a career that's got to be coming up on 15 years. Maybe not quite that long, right? But just two decision wins, just one decision win in the UFC. He had has now 11 UFC wins, Kenny. Um, since returning in 2016, you and I called his UFC debut in 2013 against Antonio Braganetto. He was cut 0-1 yes. of the UFC at that point in time. 11 UFC wins since. A remarkable, remarkable career. I mean, go look at some of the scalps on his resume. And now it seems as though he wants Alexander Rockich again. Rockich number three in the world, Ken Flo, uh, seems to be uh, interested in that for December. So, you know, makes a lot of sense. And it's a title eliminator of sorts, I think, next for uh, – the rolling steamroll on Anthony Lionheart Smith. 
I, I think that's an excellent fight. Um, I've seen a big difference in, in, in Anthony Smith's striking, you know. Um, still, is it the most technical or the most dangerous? No, but again, when he puts it all together with this whole, with the whole package that he presents in, uh, in the UFC, I, I think that he's a tough out for anybody. Uh, and I, I like that fight against Rakic. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think uh, Anthony Smith's lead hand has improved tremendously. We saw that in his previous fight with the jab. We saw it in this fight with the hook. He continues to get better. And uh, I, I like Anthony Smith to win that fight against Rakic as, uh, as of right now. How about now. that? How about that? Hard not to after what we saw Saturday night. And uh, I know you you like a guy who knows his, his way around a choke as well. I mean, I talk as a layman about offensive jujitsu sort of being a lost start. I mean, I do see oftentimes when guys are going for a body look on body lock on someone's back, there are errors that I can see having watched this sport for 15 years, but mm-hmm. this dude's a real threat on the ground, man, not just to sort yes. of put you in danger, but to choke you unconscious. Absolutely. And I love the way he integrates his ground and pound as well. You know, a lot of elite jujitsu guys don't know how to use their strikes to set up their submissions. Anthony Smith, is a guy who knows how to let his jiu-jitsu work uh, and, and be effective in a real fight. And, uh, you know, the pressure he puts with his strikes is what leads to a lot of these submissions. So it, it's beautiful to see. And I'm certainly not trying to cast Ryan Spann as a fighter that somehow backed his way into the UFC, right? I mean, just because Anthony Lionheart Smith had almost 30 pro fights before he made his pro debut, Ryan Spann is not young in this game per se. He's been a pro since Mm -hmm. 2013. He comes from a relatively big camp. And I think he and the general safe Saud understood the type of challenge that was in front of them. But I don't know, man, it seemed like Spam was saying and doing all the right things leading up to this fight to get him in a position to, uh, to succeed. But you're right in terms of paths to victory um, certainly were more for Anthony Smith. And I think I can say in retrospect, Minus 160, uh, maybe more value than uh, than I even thought on Anthony Smith. Yeah, I, I think for Span, again, um, getting over that, um, you know, I guess insecurity or it, uh, or lack of effectiveness uh, with his wrestling and jujitsu, I think is going to do wonders for his game. And, and it, it could be that he's just he's working on it, um, but it does take time. It takes time to be comfortable and it takes even more time to say, you know what? If it goes to the ground, I got you there as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, the sensitivity, the timing, all that stuff in grappling really takes time. I've been doing it for, you know, a, a few decades. And, um, you know, if I take a few weeks off, my timing isn't going to be there. So right. it's something that right. needs to be consistently addressed. And for some fighters, and I'm not saying this is the case for span, um, taking that time away or perhaps focusing on striking when you should be working on your weaknesses, um, you know, will will definitely hurt you. How are the jujitsu seminars in Bend, Oregon, with Mac Danzig? By the way, how'd that all? Go? It, it, it was great. I had a couple sold out seminars uh, over there in Bend. Uh, sold out with Mac. Danzig. Yeah, there we go. Take your <laughs> shoes a little... off before you go on the mat. Too. <laughs> Did a little gi and no gi. It was great to uh, to train up there with Mac as well, and um, you know, to see how he's doing. That was the first time I had seen his gym, and. Uh, Dude, that that area, Central Oregon, is absolutely yeah. beautiful as well. Got a chance to go on some hikes and and some trips uh, into nature, and it was beautiful. I love hiking, but as I sort of vicariously went through your trip on your Instagram page, I was thinking, man, a lot of jujitsu and a lot of heights. Like this doesn't look like the trip for me. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, Cody says a lot of good marijuana there in Oregon. I wouldn't. Know. <laughs> How would so, he know? Right. So, Kenny. Um, 
at, at times in your career as a broadcaster or fighter, you have been somewhat of a fashion icon, but I don't necessarily cast you as a particularly vain guy. That being said, if somebody kicked your teeth in on fight night, oh. as tough as you are, I mean, do you just keep going like Devin Clark did against Iwan Kutelaba? Because uh, I know I wouldn't. I'd be looking for my coach to uh, throw in the towel there at that point. Bro, here's the thing. Here's the thing, all right? Teeth, teeth is one thing, right? I got some big chompers. I got huge chiclets. These things are still on my teeth. These are mine. These aren't fake. <laughs> nice. Okay? I try not to take too many there. Uh, it's one thing to chip your tooth or break. His, it looked like it pushed in his gums, John. Right. Like, jaw. it looked like the part of his gums were pushed back into his mouth and separated from the rest of his jaw. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like that. It, like, I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, it, it sounds like it was a knee or it looks like it was a knee that was thrown. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what Kutalaba was saying. But my goodness, Devin Clark is tough as hell, dude, to go through that. Um, th- that. That is one of those injuries that you don't see too often. I don't think we've really seen it in the UFC ever. Yeah. Uh, but whatever that is, I hope it can be fixed. I hope he's okay. Um, and... Man, I I don't know. It looked like it was just a, a gruesome injury that uh, I don't know could be rectified. I mean, it looked like a part of his jaw was just cracked and folded in. I, I that yeah. was that was nasty. So I follow Devin Brown Bear Clark on social media, and it looks as though they put like braces on it for now. And he was talking through it as best he could. But uh, okay, I don't know, man. If there's a, another injury worth talking about at UFC 266, we might have to to add a segment to the program called like the checkup with Dr. Gus Florian or something. Hey, if your dad, if your dad doesn't want the gig, Dr. David Abbasi is sort of an emerging uh, doctor in the MMA space. And I know he would uh, be more than willing to join us if his schedule allows, but yeah, we got to get Gus on the program. We could, we could he listen, right? He does, does he listen. watch or does he just listen? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, he watches. I'm sure he, he he's more of a YouTuber. Okay. Uh, Dr. He'll Florian. Watch. If you're out there and you're listening or watching to this episode, please just write a tweet to us and acknowledge as much. And uh, it's a standing offer. We got to get him on. Can you believe we've gone 317 episodes? We had Keith on once. Yeah. Yeah. Dad's never been on the goddamn program. My, my dad has an accent, but who knows? Maybe he'll get hired by like, you know, ESPN or something after that. He goes on a few episodes. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. You, it sounded like you were just going to say maybe he'll get high or something. How does your dad, I wonder how Dr. Florian, if you're out there, Gus, how do you feel about how much I swear on the program? Because it seems like your son doesn't swear as much on the podcast. But when we t- when you when you and I talk by phone, every other word out of Kenny's mouth is fuck. But when we do the podcast, he falls in line. Um, all right, what else do I have here in this opening segment? I, there were a lot of sensational performances. Uh, Nate Manis rallying over Tony Gravely. Armand Sarukyan is a lightweight contender for me. I really want to see him uh, against some elite lightweight competition. Um, Joaquin Buckley with another highlight. Raquel Pennington looking lean as ever. Uh, Rong Zhu, um, I think the youngest fighter on the roster, getting a big finish for his first UFC win. Um, so a lot of different highlights and a lot of different things that we could get into. Uh, Ken Flo, I want to get your thoughts on this, though. Um, the UFC Hall of Fame induction ceremony is coming up in three days. And it's not the 2021 ceremony. It's the 2020 ceremony because we're inducting last year's class, of course, COVID-19. Um, George St. Pierre will be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame uh, on Thursday, your longtime teammate and compadre. And uh, 
I don't know if he's going to get a skin fade before. I kind of ho- hope so. He seems pretty attached to the lettuce at this point in time. But John Jones will be on stage as well. Big weekend uh, coming up, of course. And uh, your guy GSP set to headline the class. Bullshit. GSP is overrated. Ah. I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand the whole GSP. How to get it? I mean, it's yeah. How, uh, I mean, uh, obviously a, a clear uh, a clear pick right there. A, a guy who I have looked up to for a very long time had the had the honor and pleasure of training with many times. Um, you know, not only a Hall of Famer in my mind, he's the goat. You know, two division champion. Um, you, you knew exactly what he was going to do. You couldn't stop it. Um, simplicity, directness, effectiveness, consistency. He's the man, and it's well-deserved. Awesome to see. What an icon. You know, I will never forget attending UFC 100 and watching him turn the takedown into just a thing of beauty against Tiago Alves. Had to take him down 25 times, and you were there with me. I mean, oh, no, you weren't because you were training for UFC 101, or maybe you did come out because it was did. I had to go to promote. I had to go to promote 101, uh, right. and I was there live to see it and absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, that was quite the performance this is when tiago alves was in his prime and looked like the incredible hulk so yeah right that was uh a night that i will remember really developing a appreciation for for offensive wrestling and mma just hearing that crowd ooh and ah with every takedown from uh from george rush st pierre you know what would be interesting or would have been interesting i should say i was thinking about this over the weekend so Carlos Condit, of course, announces his retirement, and I'm super happy for the Natural Born Killer getting a couple wins late in his career because he went out on a relatively high note. He did lose to Max Griffin in his final fight, but he won two of his last three, so all was not lost. But it would have been interesting if George St. Pierre had actually been finished that night by Carlos Condit and not rallied back or, or recovered from that head kick that was repurposed. Imagine if GSP had to recover from a knockout loss to Carlos Condit at that stage of his career in and around his fighting prime. That would have been very interesting. I know he went on to largely clean out the division, other guys, Hendricks and what have you. But uh, I don't know, man, it would have been interesting to see George have to respond to that type of loss the way he did to uh, the Matt Serra loss earlier in his career. Right. And, and just knowing GSP, I, I know he would have responded um, like the champion that he is. And, you know, the other thing that's worth pointing out is that George did get hurt. We saw him have to deal with adversity many times throughout his career. That welterweight division was yeah. just insane. It still is obviously extremely tough, but the the fact that he was able to deal with that adversity and and find a way to come back and win time and time again after that Matt Serra loss um, is really what defined George. And no one trained harder than him. He was a true martial artist and truly one of the nicest guys you will ever meet in the sport. All right, Longo coming up in about 60 seconds. But as you all know, UFC 266 coming up fast and furious. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a knockout offer for this weekend. DraftKings is offering new customers $150 in free bets instantly if you bet just $1 on any fight before the main event. Pretty simple. You bet just $1 on any UFC 266 fight. And DraftKings Sportsbook will give you $150 in free bets instantly. And of course, if MMA is not your thing... Why not? But MMA is certainly not the only offering at DraftKings Sportsbook. Great odds, propositions, promotions on football, golf, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And perhaps the best part is you can pause it and withdraw your cash literally whenever you want. So I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary with the UFC. And I can sit here honestly and tell you, UFC 266, as good a pay-per-view as we can put forth 
and we wouldn't want you to miss out on all the action of UFC 266 with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. So, what do you need to do? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ANIC when you sign up to receive $150 in free bets instantly if you bet a dollar on UFC 266. That's code ANIC, A-N-I-K, to receive $150 instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Other restrictions apply. Let's get to Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. It is always great to see you, and I really appreciate the voicemail. And I just have to say, like, I don't want to, you know, soften up the whole show off the top, but you're just a super thoughtful guy. Like, I can understand why my wife just listens to you talk. She doesn't listen to the podcast, but when she watches you coach or watches you with athletes, like, she just can tell you're the real article. And uh, the condolence call meant a lot to me. So thank you. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I, I don't want to get into it either. I'll, I'll, I'll see you probably this week, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk. But t- please tell your wife. Can you just tell your wife, please never listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this, this technically isn't. Well, this isn't last me. Week. Yeah, last this week, is, what a shock her. Last yeah, week this was, is this isn't me, dude. John. I'm just trying to get you guys some. <laughs> right, no, I understand. I I'm, not, I'm not even joking. <laughs> that was so fucking funny, no, the, though. And oh, the guy on the, the guy on the phone was me. No, no, this is. And, right. and and that's a serious subject. I don't even want to play around right. with it. Right. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. are you are a needle mover. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I hope you wouldn't say stuff just for ratings, Ray, because we try to keep. Stuff <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm just trying to feed the streets over in Miami. Boca Raton. Boca Raton. It is. So I don't know if I should lead with like UFC Fight Night or Marab or what, but um, I feel like I kind of got to start with. The machine, Marab, Dwalish Willie, seeing as he's five days out from this fight against Marlon Marais. Talk to me, Ray. I sound more excited than you, I think. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So there's there's 11.30 in the morning excitement. There's 4.30 in the afternoon excitement. So you're going to get the 11.30 in the morning excitement. That's right. Uh, I forgot no, about man. that that Listen, that he, time slot change and how, how good you were in the late afternoon. <laughs> Now he's uh look, this is a huge fight against a very, very dangerous guy. So uh you know, we I think uh I think I got him the right sparring and I think uh he's got some good looks. I put him in with like bigger guys so he knows what that's gonna feel like because I think Marlin's a, a you know a heavy handed and and heavy kick kick heavy guy. So uh look, he's either get him out of there or you got fifteen minutes of, of hell. Just total hell. And that is sort of where I want to go to Kenny on this, because when you prepare for certain athletes on this roster, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, right? It's like, oh, man, right? Like that's a real specific challenge, right? And I don't know that Marab is that specific a challenge per se, but if you're Magic Marlon with Ice Ken Mm -hmm. and you're fighting this guy, you're a two to one underdog, um, you know, what, what, what is the first order of business? Just keep him off my leg at all costs. Like, what are you trying to do here? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, it, it's like the great chess players. You you, you don't uh, prepare for their weak moves. You prepare for their best moves. And that's what he's got to prepare for. And I'm sure he's having some anxiety attacks thinking about it because um, a couple things. Morais is a strong starter. He, 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 he starts strong, but he, he finishes, you know, a little bit weak. 
Marab starts strong and finishes strong. Like he, you know, it might take him a little bit more than say a Morais, but this kid does not stop. And he just keeps finding in other gear. Uh, and the fact that he comes from that grappling background, which has posed a lot of problems for Morais, um, is going to be a problem. There, there's nowhere for you to rest and relax. And Morais likes to hit and chill out, hit and chill out. He's a technical guy. Uh, and Marab just wants to be in your face and, and, and make it a scrap. So that, that's a big challenge for Morais. And, and Morais is a fantastic and dangerous fighter, but it's just a, a, no, a really no tough question. matchup for him. No yeah. queen. Listen, he's gotten a lot of guys out, Kenny, with one shot. Yeah. You know, so yeah, he is uh I mean, I think this is the time though, because he's not, you know, obviously he's not on he's not on an incline. Right. He's on a decline, but um but uh, super, super dangerous. Wait, the odds on that fight were what, John? Marab Dwalishwili minus two thirty-five, Marlon Marais wow. plus one ninety. So if listeners don't know what that means, uh, you would have to put two hundred and thirty-five dollars on Marab to win a hundred bucks. Whereas if you put just a hundred on Marlon Marais, it would pay you hundred and ninety. Two ninety because you get your C note back if he wins. So yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think that does that surprise you, Ray, or no? I think that's, you know, for uh I think that's pretty high. Yeah. I would have thought it would have been a little closer. So I think it's properly priced, right? I mean, Marab could be eight no in the UFC for all uh, intents and purposes. Yeah, yeah. I think they're not, handicapping not, not, him in that I, way. Actually, not it could be eight no. I told him the other night you are eight no. You really? No, you're <laughs> right. I'm not it's even right. joking. Those yeah. those losses, I don't. I I'll fight. I'll fight for those till the death. I know. He, no, he, I know. He actually, he actually is eight no, and you know, and he's grown on every fight, which is what I love more than anything yeah. about coaching the guy. He made corrections since the day I met this kid. He got, he got out wrestled by uh, Ricky Bandejos, the kid that uh, fights in Bellator. Now is pretty, he's good. Um, and man, he, that's, that's it. That's the last time he ever got out wrestled. Yeah. You know, he just made it his way. And then he got stuck in the mount against a guy, Darren Mimer. He lost the fight. Not happening again. I mean, he just, so Ricky Simone, he was like a, a madman jumping over him. He was just so excited. He calmed down. He controls better. He's always made the adjustment, this guy. Uh, <clears throat> and one of the reasons why win or lose with him, I know he's going to make the adjustment. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So well, he, he even, he never let those losses get him down either. You know what I mean? It's like even with the Ricky Simone, it was a lot of controversy. And he rolled right through that better than anybody. So I, I, I love where the kid's at. I love his attitude. Uh, it's 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 a win or learn, you know, that saying it's it's him. So yeah. I, I like this fight. He's in shape and I'm, I'm everybody's excited. I got my my coaching partner back, Matt Sarah. So I'm happy. Oh, about that. That's a big so- deal. So your NFL boycott remains, but Matt Sarah's corner boycott is ending, and he will be in the corner of Marab Wallace Willie. Is that the case? My NFL. <laughs> I'm saying no. Matt Sarah retired from cornering. Has that changed? How'd you How'd you sneak in the NFL though? Is what I'm wondering. <laughs> Where'd that I come know. from? I don't know. My brain is fiery. Thinking about right now. I don't know. My brain is fire is fiery and firing. Yeah on yeah. weird cylinders today. I'm just asking if, if Matt Sarah, who recently retired from cornering mixed martial arts athletes is coming back. He's back. All right. He's back. I could just ask the UFC, he's, Zach he's, Candido for the corner audio sheet. If you want to do that, but I, was I don't know. He's you. back. Oh, you don't have to, right. you don't have to ask Zach, Zach, right. Zach, Zach. Right. You don't have to, 30 ask, foot, you know, 
30-foot octagon for Marlon Moraes, I think, is better than fighting Marab in the 25-footer. You just mentioned, though, Marab's in shape, right? Like, oh, yeah? What is Marab's he not in shape? shape? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. He's always in shape. Thanks, though, for that. I mean, if you're trying to push ratings, can you not just tell the audience that Marab's in shape? I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, seriously. So have I know that you are very good at at uh, at teaching cardiovascular strength and conditioning things. Is obviously Tony Ricci's deal. Is that his name, Tony Ricci? Oh, the best. But I know you know what athletes need to do um, to realize uh, a good cardio base. Have you yeah. ever met anyone like Marab in terms of the? the output and, and just the, I don't know, man, I've never seen, I don't know that there's a point of comparison on the whole roster, maybe Tony Ferguson, but have you ever trained or coached anybody like Marab in terms of the way he's wired? Uh, everybody's different, obviously, but I'll tell you that there, there's guys in the gym. We have a, another up and coming guy. He's, he will be in the UFC. Pumi, Nakuda, his gas tank is, Flyweight. I got to tell you, man, I, I don't know what I'm looking at with him. He's, He's 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 putting the time in too, and he's got a good gas tank. So yeah, I'm gonna say there are guys in the gym. I I, I tell you what, Marab does <laughs> definitely more. He he probably spars a hundred rounds a week. That's where he get you know like and it's Ladies. not you know, it's not <laughs> breaking news on the Anakin Florian podcast. That, that's what Marab Wallace Willie spars a hundred rounds a week. You know, Marab two hundred rounds a year. He'd rather he'd rather spar than do anything. So, you know what I mean? So he gets, yeah. he's got great cardio and he loves to fight. So that makes it even that much better. Can, you know what I mean? There's no stress or nothing that's going to drain him. He's not, right. You know, right. That's, that's the problem. He's very, very comfortable in there and he's very, very comfortable in chaos, you know? So that's not, I, you know, that's not going to get to him. Uh, and he's, and he's surrounded by really good guys. And I also just have to say, because Cody chimed in, not only all of that on Rob Dwalish Willie, also the best soul in MMA, right? Like he really is just such oh. a good dude. I can't, I can't emphasize the, that enough. You know, John, just a grounded guy that comes from another country that really just appreciates everything. I, I mean, last night we had a, we had a great, I had a great, great group in there last night, and uh, I was like, Mom, do you ever think you'd be here, buddy? Like, it's just, he's such a great guy. I mean, he owns a house and yeah. he's so grateful that you would want to do anything for this guy. And he's, you need something, he's, he, he'll be there for you. He's just a throwback, man. He's a throwback he to yeah. the good old days, you know? And uh, you don't see that, you know, for a kid his age. I mean, you do, but I mean, it's far and few in between. But he's just, he's just squared away. He's just a great guy. So let's keep it on UFC 266, and then we can circle back to uh, Devin Clark's grill and Anthony Smith's performance, time permitting. Oof. But Nick Diaz last competed in mixed martial arts January 31st, 2015. No contest against Anderson Silva. He's fighting on Saturday night. Um, so I've never called a Nick Diaz fight. You know, Kenny and I called UFC 243 for the movie theaters. January of 2012, oh, a couple wow. months after I joined the company. Um, but this will be my first time. I, I looked. I have no Nick Diaz notes in my fighter library. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on Nick Diaz, Ray Longo, returning after uh, six plus years away? Well, listen, man. I, I've said it a hundred times. One of my favorite guys, if not my favorite guy, in 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 MMA. He's just a you know, 
I think he's maybe misunderstood, but to me, he's just a nice guy. He's always gives you an honest answer. He'll tell you exactly what he's thinking. Um, I think, you know, the five years, I, I do think those guys stay in shape, right? They're not going anywhere. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going with Nick Diaz and I love Robbie Lawler, but you know, he hasn't been the Robbie Lawler that we know either. So, uh, yeah. but, you know, I think that's a good fight. That's going to be a good scrap. And I think it's, you know, it's going to go with Robbie landing some big punches and Nick just doing what he does. He's going to eat them and come back with five and six punch combinations until he breaks you down. Kenny, a popular narrative going into this fight is that, oh, if anybody can come back from six years away, it's Nick Diaz. What are your thoughts on on Nick's ability to uh, to perform like a prime Nick Diaz after six years away, at least from mixed martial arts competition? You know, listen, it's no easy task. I, I think that um, for a long time, Nick Diaz denied himself of, of some of the pleasures that other mixed martial What was artists. that noise, Ray? I mean, you <laughs> for the audience. I'm supposed you, to let that we, go? Can we lower, <laughs> can we lower the snot, microphones? Blowing snot rockets over here. Do you guys know what allergies are? Is that a word you never heard before? Yeah, man. You don't know what a freaking out. It's COVID. He's got COVID again. <laughs> Holy. Yeah, Ray, do you have any, any vaccination update, Ray? You got any, you get the, you get the poke <laughs> yet, Ray? Oh, oh <laughs> You guys are too sensitive. Hey, the worst part about that, the worst part about that is I'm sitting here like, man, I should probably mute Ray. And then all of a sudden, isn't that amazing? The audio is fantastic, though. Yeah. Uh, no, Cody, Cody can you better not edit any of that. Cody, can you, can you edit that out? <laughs> Cody, if you want to see me next Monday, actually, Cody knows this is an empty threat. He knows how badly I need him. But Cody... If you fucking want a job next Monday, you won't edit out Ray Longo's sound effects. I'm going to make it louder. <laughs> Ray, there is a mute button on that Skype machine if you do need to uh, hawk anything else up before the end of the program. Well, those are – wait, bro, look, at, look at his face, Kenny. Look at him. He's disgusted. Those are involuntary. That's not voluntary. That's involuntary. Right. Right. What do you think oh, I'm going to hit? Oh, my I know it's coming on. I'm going to hit the mute button. It just, right. it just, just jumps. It just, I get it. I you know, the post nasal drip. I got to yeah. get it out. Yeah. Well, hopefully ask, when... your, ask your wife, John, ask Chrissy if she likes that. <laughs> yeah. That cute. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hey, Ray, just hopefully if we go to the corner cam during Marab's fight, you don't have another episode on live television because <laughs> that would be a little bit of a bigger problem than the Anakin Florian podcast. Well, John, if that happens, you have to address it on air. This is, this is a rough morning. <laughs> I, Marab, yeah. move your move your <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, I wonder honey, what bring I'll me a Zer- honey bring me a Zyrtec please <laughs> make it two I wonder what I'm going to be uh, I wonder what I'm going to be thinking about when we go to the corner cam now for Longo and Sarah on Saturday night I can tell you first thing out of my mouth is probably going to be oh there's Matt Sarah who has ended However, unceremoniously, his his cornering boycott uh, in well, time said, this week. Well, he but did, wasn't. Didn't he say he was just? I, I didn't listen to it, so I don't know. But didn't he say he was just taking a vacation? Okay, all right. Yeah. So maybe maybe he's, I'm back right. he's back from vacation. He's back from vacation. That's good. All right. So uh, and then the last thing on UFC two sixty six. Um, very quickly before we circle back, uh, time permitting. I know it's high noon on the East Coast. Um, but Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. 
you know, Volko doesn't necessarily demand the attention of some of our other champions, but if you look up, he's going for 20 straight MMA wins this weekend. Isn't that crazy? I know a lot of people thought Holloway uh, deserved better in their second meeting, but what what do you think about Volkanovski and Ortega here coming up in, in five sleeps? I, tell you, I think he's a very tough puzzle to figure out. Um... I don't, you know, you know, it's funny that because we don't, I, he's just, I don't think he's that active. And, you know, this, that's right. why I think people, you know, I feel like I haven't seen both of these guys fight in a while, but uh, especially Volkanovski. Right. It was um, supposed to go down March 27th and Volkanovski got COVID-19. So you're right. I mean, this fight alone has gotten a six or seven month delay. So, yeah. So, uh, I think I'm, you know, man, like, again, I, I like Brian Ortega, uh, but I like what he's done in the sport. I, I think Volkanovski is going to be tough for him to figure out. I think he's harder to hit than people think because of his stature, and he's got a great gas tank. He knows when to mix it up. And uh, I'm, I think Volkanovski, what's the odds on that fight? Care to uh, venture a guess, or do you just want me to tell you? I would think Volkanovski's the favorite. By uh, I don't know, minus one eighty. Pretty close, Raymond. Pretty good job there. Minus one sixty for Volkanovski. Brian Ortega plus one forty. So you're not yeah. far off there. So uh, Devin Clark, how about uh, getting wow. those teeth busted in and then coming back and I believe winning the the ensuing round, man. Again, man, got to acknowledge the toughness of these athletes. I know it was a, a big win and performance for Iwan Kutelaba, but. People are talking about Devin Clark this week, rightfully so. Yeah, no, come on, man. What a gutsy. You know what it is? It's funny. Sometimes it takes something like that to really get you going. And that's the that's what you got to learn how to tap into quicker, right? Yeah. He had his teeth were busted up. If there's a time, you know, where it could go south, that would be the time. But yeah. man, he just he dug down deep and, like you say, won the third round. I guess if you feel into your mouth, maybe, and it's like, all right, my teeth are compromised, but my gum line is still intact. Maybe you're okay to do it. All right. Before we let you go, I know you like good men in the sport. Anthony Lionheart Smith obviously wow, qualifies. Man. How Unreal. about this guy, man? Unreal. I mean, 36 pro wins. Your thoughts? I, I got to tell you, yeah, just when you fight him, make sure you know his name. That's number one. That's <laughs> a prerequisite. Yeah. And uh, yeah, don't talk shit. You know, because you. he's uh, I tell you, he's he's a finisher too, man. He's if Anthony Smith is violent, man. He really is. He's he's gonna win those fights all day long. I don't think uh, you know. Uh, he he's tough, man, and he's. I think he fights with a chip on his shoulder, and he's a sweetheart when you meet him, obviously. But I think he fights with a chip on his shoulder, and he's very skillful, and he knows how to close the show just as good as anybody. It, I don't know exactly how old he is, but there's no doubting the fact that he is getting better and not worse. And I think you're doing one or the other pretty much in mixed martial arts. I mean, I guess you could idle, I suppose, but um, yeah. there are a lot of athletes that aren't going to incline or ascend at this stage of their career. And we can't congratulate this guy enough. And I know I can't get through an episode when we talk about Anthony Smith without mentioning that home invasion, but like, go read about it. It's insane. And the further he gets removed from it, the better, I think, Ray. You know, um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. again, you're really fighting for your life in your own home. And it just took him a while mentally and emotionally to get out the other side. And now I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he gets back into a title fight here in the next 18, 24 months. That'd be, he looks like he's on that trajectory for sure. 
And uh, like you say, I'm just going to go back to the home invasion. Just horrible. Dude. Horrible. To have any, anything like that happen is just outright scary and just horrible. And uh, I'm glad he's over everything because he, he really he's he's definitely a handful. Uh, I think you'll see a big difference with that rematch that he's, he's going to get. Rocket and, yeah. Um, yeah, good for him, man. He 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 stays in the present moment, that guy. He's good. Very, very good. All right, Ray, we're going to get you out of here. Why are you so full of energy at 430? I happen to really like today's Ray Longo Minute. Is it a caffeine thing or just a PM thing? I mean, I, I wake up at 5 a.m. every day, so this is like probably <laughs> the best time you could get me. Nah, it's uh, yeah, I don't I like he sound like you're fading fat. Am I wrong? I have, it sounds I, like he's I, fading. I have, I have a lot of issues in the morning. All Let's right. say that all right. one of them is snorting. Yeah, well, all right. Oh, right. yeah. All right. Oh, all yeah. Right. Well, uh, you want to bring will... that up again and embarrass me? Go ahead. When do you get to Las Vegas? I'll be there Wednesday night. Wednesday, right. yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. Some I land eleven. When are you getting? I land eleven p.m. Wednesday night, God willing. So we'll uh, hopefully connect Thursday or Friday, my brother. Well, we might be connecting at the airport. I think yeah. that's what time me and the terror get in. I might check a bag just so I can come haze you guys now. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, right, my man. Like, I don't even want to tell you what airline we're flying because there's a lot of creeps out there. If you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ken Flo. Yeah. What do we got? Good to see you. Good to see you, Ray. Good luck, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks, man. It's a big you guys. Good fight for this kid. Really yeah. big fight. I'm excited. Yeah, get a W, Raymond. It's been a while, huh? No, yeah. I don't mean a while for you guys. No, no. Yeah, I mean, Kenny, I mean, Jesus. Leave is Ray this, alone, is this okay? really happening? I didn't mean to say it you that way. I, it came out wrong. It came you out wrong. You got your hits in already, all right? Uh, Leave the guy alone for Pete. You buried sake. me on the snort. Now you got to just yeah. drive me further into the ground on. Stop. Stop. He's already dead. Jeez. Do you want an Anakin Florian podcast pocket square? Do you, do you have a hey, I don't want to. Oh, yeah. I got no. a bunch of. Oh, I'll be. That's the only shirt I'm wearing in Vegas. <laughs> I was just going to say, we don't necessarily celebrate your regional wins on this show the way we do UFC wins. So I was going to say, it's been a while since we've had the chance to celebrate a UFC win on here. You know, yeah, I think wow. Frivola maybe was the last guy who fought. It didn't necessarily go his way. So hopefully for your sake, next Monday, we're having a little yeah. Georgian now celebration from Iran. fucking attacking the steamroller. Oh, the nicest yeah. Guy yeah. The guy's yeah. getting married. Wait. Shout out to Matt Frivola too. He's getting married on with the night Marab's fighting. So no way to miss the wedding. But uh, you know, congratulations, Matt. You got a great girl, and unlike you know, don't listen to anything Annick says. You're gonna you're coming back Come strong. On. We got this. Frivola Mr. Frivola's gonna be knocking on your door now, oh, Josh. Hey, you got another hey, guy hey, knocking hey, on your door. Yeah, a lot of people hey, want to fight me out there. <laughs> For the no right, Matt Frivola shirts. Oh, it it says, man. of course, yeah, oh yeah, uh, Cody. I see another guy walk through the door with my shirt on again. I counted about 600 so far. <laughs> <laughs> so putting up the pictures. Sending them to your entire squad. I love it. Great, dude. Congratulate <laughs> him on our behalf. And uh, hey, we'll see you on Thursday, brother. Safe travels. All right, take it easy, guys. I'll talk Come to on. you. All right, take the Ray Longo Minute every Monday at whatever time here on the Anakin and Florian podcast. I mean, these dudes clearing their throats on live radio like it's nothing. Uh, all right, it's time for the pronunciation of the week before we get into our predictions for UFC 266 as we call on the executive producer, Cody Merrow. Hi, Cody. Cody. Do you need so to clear I, your throat before you, I, before you answer, no, Cody? So anything? No? Okay. I thought he was doing an Oscar De La Hoya impression. I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I thought it was fine, you know? So, uh, 
Cody, you're five and eleven on the year on the pronunciation of the week. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like the scoring's been pretty pretty fair. Uh, this fighter reps the Nick Diaz Academy. He's a middleweight, six and zero as a pro, but fought as a heavyweight, if I'm not mistaken, on Dana White's Contender Series. He makes his UFC debut this weekend against Carl Robertson, Cody Merrow, of whom am I speaking, kid? Uh, well, we're in the middle of a rebuild, John. That's all I got to say about my yeah, record, but. Right. So I think John's throwing me a ringer here, but I'm going to go against my better judgment and just say it how I think it's going to be said. Nick Maximoff. All right, let's hear Nick. Nicholas, Nicholas Maximov. Oh, Nicholas Maximov. Mov. That's where they got Fuck. you. It's Mov. Maximov. So I watched his fight back, Cody, on Dana White's Contender Series, and my guy Fitzy went with Move. Um, Paulie Felder went Nick Maximov. So I voiced it uh, over the weekend as Maximov. So that's five and twelve, Kenny, for Cody, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. You, you've thrown him a lot of tricky ones, a lot, a lot of difficult. The, the, the degree of difficulty has been quite high, Cody. So I, you know, I, I don't blame well, you. I made up for it with my capping. Like when I come on here and I give fire picks, like <laughs> right, I make up right. for it totally. You know, I'm giving out Gerald Mershart by submission as a, like a yeah. minus or plus 180. Under- the, the moral of the story here with this whole pronunciation of the week is that, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of people who think they have it right just because they're reading it. Again, John has the audio files. He knows how it's pronounced. Trust the motherfucker. Okay. Well, thanks, Kenny. And yeah. if you want to hear some of the names that I could have thrown his way. Oh, right, right. right. Sure. Udo Schmedich, Manon Fjord, right, out of France. Jeez. How about Maida Bueno Silva? Wow. Oh, Parabens, Sean. Parabens. For Good your job. partner, Kathleen. <laughs> she liked that? Maida Bueno Silva? Uh, John, it's been a while since you've been to Brazil, huh? I know. It's fun. I'm guessing it's something. I was his personal translator, by the way, back in the day. Amazing, man. Oh, one menu's fine. Ken Flo's going to interpret it for me. (laughs) I I have one thing. Sorry, I have one thing before you go. Talking about UFC 266, John. I know you're excited. 209, tattoo on the arm. Haven't done Nick Diaz prep. Is that one of the fighters that you're, like, you don't care about how much time, like, you might spend three or four hours prepping the Nick Diaz fight? There's no doubt I need a new answer when people ask me, oh, is there one fighter that you wish you could have had the chance to call one of his fights, you know, and for a while, George St. Pierre was the answer. And then he came back and fought Michael Bisping and I had the chance to do that. But yes, I'm excited to, uh, to see Nick this weekend. Hopefully I don't see him though. There's very few athletes. I get starstruck around Jose Aldo, Nick Diaz. (laughs) The list is a little bit longer than that. Um, but, uh, all right, Cody five and 12, my brother, I am Jones in to get back to Brazil, by the way. I think I've been 27 times, but it has been a long, long time. And uh, there's nothing like calling fights over there uh, or anywhere internationally, with all due respect to the United States of America. All right. Couple things left to do today as we go sort of uh, knee deep in our UFC 266 preview with predictions and handicapping. We will begin with the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights! I'm gonna do everything possible to win! The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, main event challenge time. We first update the standings. Team Anik 106, Team Florian 91. Our guy Casey Williams, he was happy sending out the standings this week. He got the better at Ken Flow 3 2. Differentiator Anthony Smith to win by submission for Casey. Ken Flow had Smith to win via TKO. So it's 106. 
91 and joining us to make picks today. I'm excited to have this guy. We've been sort of going back and forth for a while, trying to find a slot for him, repping the MMA Takes podcast. Brian Petrie is with us on social media. You can find him at MMA Takes Podcast. Brian, good to see you, my brother. How are you? Good to see you, John. And Kenny, as always, huge fan. Uh, fan of the podcast, obviously, I listen. I uh, wanted to make it a point that before I stepped on here, I'm ride or die because I had a mop of a hair. And I know my guy, Anik, hates lettuce, hates <laughs> hair. So we got the wife to buzz it. I'm, I'm repping J.A. right now. So I didn't want, any, yeah. I didn't want any shots. <laughs> We're buzzing it. Haven't had a buzz in sixth grade, but let's do it. Let's go. Dude, not only did you just earn a return trip, even yes. if you go 0 for 7 on our picks today, but as soon as this show's over, I'm going to at MMA Takes Podcast so I can try to find a picture of you with that. Oh, yeah, I had, yeah, there's one. I just had dental surgery, and my hair not only was long, but it was blonde because my wife is a hairstylist, so she's, I was her guinea pig. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I'm on a beach vacation. Before he left, I'm like, shave it. We're doing it. Shave it. Oh, I'm, I'm hopping on. Hop oh, on JA. I got to shave it. You look good, man. Well, we Thank appreciate you, you uh, joining us. And the first fight for us is going to be at lightweight. Dan Hooker, minus 165. Nasrat Hakparast, plus 145. And I know you guys know what's going on in terms of the fight before the fight for Dan Hooker. I mean, it's crazy for what a lot of the Kiwis have had to do trying to get out of New Zealand amidst this global pandemic. Looks as though he's going to make it with some go- governmental help. Um, and of course, Hack Press on the other side, earning a high profile opportunity with two straight wins. Hooker's actually lost two in a row. Uh, Brian, what do you think of this matchup at 155 pounds? And ultimately, who takes it? This is the toughest one for me to break down. I don't know why. I, I, you know, last time we saw Dan Hooker was really quick. He got knocked out by Michael Chandler. And then Hasbrass was this kid on the rise, this, you know, you know, uh, really good striker, Rafael Cordero trained. And then he dropped a Drew Dober. And then he didn't look so good against Alex Munoz, even though it was a win. Short notice fight against Hafi Garcia, still very average to me. And, um, you know, and, and Hooker has fought the elite competition. He's like right there. And every time he gets it, you know, he falls back down. He got the Edson Barboza, fell back down. He got the Dustin Poirier, fell back down. I don't want to insult the man. I call him a gatekeeper because I think he's very skilled. But at this point, it's almost like a gatekeeper situation at 155. It's like, can he make it there? Can he not? I think he's very, very talented. Uh, Nasrath hits hard. Both these guys. Their defense is not great. Okay, they like to get in there, like to mix it up. I think Hooker's going to stay long a little bit. I think Hasbrass throws bigger shots, um, and it's a three-round fight, so I like right. Hooker in a three-round fight. I like it, uh, him kind of piecing them up a little bit and maybe taking over the fight. I think uh, Nasrass is going to wear it uh, by the end of this fight. So give me Dan Hooker. Give me the number. Um, but I don't have the best read on this fight, unfortunately. All right. All right. Fair enough. Dan Hooker minus 165, Ken Flo. He had won seven of eight before he ran into uh, – Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler in successive fights. I don't know how you factor the travel and what Dan Hooker is going to deal with into the handicap, Kenny, but in terms of the matchup, who do you like? Yeah, listen, I, I think you got to. Um, th- that's a definite concern. I think Hak Parast uh, is a very dangerous fighter. Uh, I think that we haven't quite seen what he can do just yet. I hear, you know, big time stories about him in the gym and what he could do there. Uh, but we, we haven't seen that come to fruition 100%. Um, I do think he's going to be the more powerful guy here. I do think that Hooker uh, does get hit, just like Nazrat does as well. Um, and if it comes down to that, I do like Hockparast here. Um, Daniel Hooker coming off that long flight, dealing with all the stress uh, heading into this, I, I think that's a lot to deal with. I think Dan Hooker uh, has way more experience. He's fought tougher guys. There's no question about that. 
you can't knock him for those losses that he's had. Those those are elite guys for sure. Um, but I, I I don't like the way that this has kind of come together for him. It's a great opportunity for him. He's going to make some money, which is great. But I, I think it's a lot to deal with. That, that that flight is no joke. The stress of of dealing with all that stuff is no joke. Uh, and for that reason, I, I give Hawk Perez the, the the edge here. And it's tricky because then after the fight, Hooker will have to quarantine away from his family. I think that's yes. part of the issue is that preserving the date because he's sort of set up his life with his re-entry and everything else. It's crazy if you do a little research as to what is going on in terms of New Zealand and Australia and their overall response to uh, to COVID-19. By the way, Nasrat Hackgrass Ken Flo is the guy and Brian that they say looks like the mini Kelvin Gastelum. Yes. We didn't talk yes. about Domingo fucking Polardi on this podcast. We <laughs> talked about it on the UFC telecast. Ken Flo, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Yes. He looks like it. I mean, he yeah. looks just like you. Oh, he's yeah. a handsome guy. He's I mean, a good looking guy. Striking. <laughs> but he looks just fucking like, I mean, there's yeah. certain angles where it's like, man, Ken Flo hasn't had like a, a boy's regular haircut in a while, but it's like, I'm calling <laughs> his fight against, against Brian, uh, boom, Kelleher. And I'm like, dude, like, you know, and I finally said it, the truck went crazy. <laughs> All That's right. amazing. Next up, featured prelim at 135 pounds. Brian, we spent some time on this earlier. The Ray Longo train, Marab Dwalish Willie, minus 235. Magic Marlon Marais, plus 190. Six straight wins for Marab. He has vaulted firmly into title contention. Marais on the other side with the higher ranking, six to Marab's 11. Brian, who do you have here? I love this fight. I love it, this fight. I mean, this is what Marab needs. He needs to step up. I know everyone's kind of shitting on Marlon. Because he, you know, he's been getting knocked. He's got knocked out his last two fights, but those are against elite guys too. Marlon starts fast. He had that run for a while. He's fought for a title. Was a champion outside the UFC. The guy's fucking nails. Now he gets Marab, who's a fucking grappler. Cardio's a weapon. He's a problem. And Marab is so awkward and dare I say funky with his striking style. He trains with Al Jermaine. That that sets up his takedowns. And I'm really curious to see how Marlon deals with that. Marlon has really good guillotines. He has one win in the UFC, a couple rear naked choke wins. But is he a lead off his back? Because he's going there. He's going to get put on his fucking yeah, back. Right. I really want to know how Marab deals with it on the feet. Marab is a little higher than I would like to play him here, even though I think he's an absolute fucking stud. But listen, I'm not coming on a fucking Ray Longo podcast <laughs> and picking right. against Marab Dallas. Really, I'm going to get yeah, a knock on the door. Give me Marab. Um, I think he's going to win a decision here, but I love this matchmaking. I wish I had the nuts. The take plus one night, 190 on Marlon, because I do think Marlon still has a lot in his tank. But uh, right. well, Rob's hot right now. Give me Rob. Give me all this Brian Petrie energy on a Monday afternoon. Ken Flo. Marais has accomplished a lot, obviously, in his career. Major champion outside the UFC. The current form, two straight losses. The last one came against Robbie Font, TKO, last December. What do you think, Kenny, about Marab here against Magic Marlon Marais? Yeah, listen, I think that my concern would be for Marab in round one going against Marlon with everything that he brings early in a fight. Uh, he's extremely fast, and getting on to that kind of speed uh, can be difficult for, for guys early on. I think that for Marab, though, his pressure, his consistency, his toughness is going to be the difference here. I think over time, uh, he will kind of rinse out Marlon Marais round by round and eventually get the win. I, I like I like Marab here. I think his wrestling will be the difference, his pressure. Um, and for Marlon, um, this is a tough stylistic matchup for him. So going with uh, Dwalish Willie. Dwalish Willie, the pick to click for Ken Flo. All right, pay-per-view opener in the flyweight division, former strawweight champ, Jessica Andrade, minus 280. Cynthia Calvillo, plus 225. 
So Andraj, really one of the more accomplished women in UFC history, but she has dropped three of four, got finished by Valentina Shevchenko. That was a title fight April 24th of this year. Calvillo Bryan is coming off a loss to Caitlin Chukagian last November. That ended her four-fight unbeaten streak. What do you think about Calvillo's chances here against the former champ Andraj? You know, this is good matchmaking, right? Andraj has fought everybody. Calvillo was supposed to be that next girl, that next fighter, the next step up. You know, she's Team Alpha Male. I believe she has now since left Alpha Male. I could be wrong on that. But I just don't see her really making the right steps. Like, you know, she's not much of a finisher. She's a good wrestler. Her striking's still kind of stagnant. It hasn't really gotten better. But I love me Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade will fight anybody, has fought anybody. She's a very short woman, fought at 135, 115. I think 125 is her weight class. I was a little surprised uh, the performance against Valentina. But listen, Valentina's fucking a beast. I mean, Valentina's that good. I was just surprised that Andrade couldn't get up. She got pinned down by uh, Valentina. Um, but on this fight, I love the number too. Minus 280. You're not going to hear me say that much. I'm not a big uh, chalk player here, but Andrade at 280, I love. I think she's that, that better than Calvillo. I think she has a lot way, more ways to win. I think Calvillo striking is going to try to get the takedowns. I don't know how successful she's going to get. Give me Andrade here. Um, and I like her big. This is a fight I'm going to be playing in, in, in a, a numerous ways. Very interesting. And you're doing a great job so far with the analysis. Ken Flo, Calvillo ending a 10-month layoff here. Uh, and she's a decided underdog. There's no doubt. Plus yeah. 225. Uh, are you on on the Andrade train as well, Flo, or what? Yeah, I, I think that Andrade, um, you know, her power is significant uh, here against Calvillo. Calvillo is technical, um, but I just don't see her hurting Andrade. I think her her ground game is is good and, and it can be dangerous, but I don't see her catching her on the ground either. Um, I think her best bet is to try to get on top of Andrade, and I just don't see her having the wrestling to to make that happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm in the same boat. I like Andrade here. All right, next up on the pay-per-view main card at heavyweight, Curtis Razorblades minus 305. Jarzinho Rosenstrike is plus 240. All right, so we'll see if Curtis Blades, guys, can get some distance from what was obviously a very devastating knockout loss to Derek Lewis and what was a main event February 20 of this year. Um, Blades has been a main eventer four times for the UFC, has yet to fight for the title. On the other side, Rosenstrike out of Suriname, big power, not a bad loss on his resume. Brian, what do you think about Rosenstrike and Blades? Any value on the dog here at all? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, and, and the only reason, the way I'm handicapping this, because I, I really like Curtis Blades. Listen, Curtis Blades can go in there and dog walk Rosenstrike for three rounds, take him down and just take him down repeatedly. We've only seen Rosenstrike fight and really fight a grapple in Junior Albini, his UFC debut. He got taken out a few times, ended up coming back and TKO him. This guy's got fucking next-level power. This guy, when he fought Augusto Sakai, I didn't even think it was that big of a punch. And Sakai's a durable dude. Slapped right. him, put him in the shadow realm. Um, and I just took a chalk play, and I'm not a chalk guy, so give me the dog. Give me plus yeah. 240 um, because Curtis Blades has struggled with power punchers. And his only three losses are to Nagani twice and Derrick Henry. And I think Rudenstruck at this number – you know, there's always that saying, a puncher's chance. I think he's got a hell of a puncher's chance yeah. here. And I don't know where Curtis Blades' is confidence at. So give me the dog here. So, Kenny, Rosenstrike has accrued a lot of UFC experience, but he's still very much a developing fighter. The only guys to beat him as a pro, of course, Francis Ngannou rather viciously, and then Cyril Ghan on points, a fight in yeah. which Rosenstrike seemingly had no answers. Um, what do you think about Rosenstrike, and what do you think about Curtis Blades and his ability to respond to, uh, to that Lewis result? Jeez, you know, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I think Yair uh, is a very dangerous guy. Uh, I, I really like that left hook, you know, going back. He's he's really dangerous with that. 
Um, and that's a shot that he could certainly catch Curtis Blades with. A lot of that kind of depends on how Curtis Blades fights him. If Curtis Blades goes out there and decides to kind of show off his striking and, um, you know, test that, I, I think Yair wins that fight. I think Curtis Blades is very inconsistent, even within a fight. We'll see him have a brilliant round, and then he'll go out there and find a way to lose somehow. So for Curtis, he's got to fight smart. He's got to um, use where he ha- you know, he's got to use his wrestling where he has a big advantage. Uh, that's what he's got to do in this fight. I, I think Yair could certainly win this fight. Uh, but I like Blades. I, I think if he fights smart, if he uses the tools that he has, he can go out there and get the win. We've seen him come back strong uh, from horrible losses in the past. I think he can do that here. This is a huge uh, fight for him in his career. The way that I see it is like this is going to be a pivotal moment. Does he get back into yeah. his winning ways? Has he learned from his previous fights? Or is he now just another heavyweight that could have been? I, I know that might be a little bit harsh, but uh, this is a tough fight for him. And and Yair's a, a difficult matchup. So uh, I'm going to go with Blades here. I, I think he can get it done, but going to be tricky. I think you set it up beautifully. There's no denying there's a lot of pressure on Curtis Blades coming up here September 25. All right, featured bout at 170 pounds. Robbie Lawler, minus 115 versus Nick Diaz, minus 105. Scheduled for five five-minute rounds. We have a Diaz rule on the podcast where when they fight, you have to give us the round of the method of victory. So last fight for Diaz, we mentioned early 2015, five rounds with Anderson Silva. Last professional win for Nick Diaz was my first official day with the UFC, October 29, 2011, UFC 137 against BJ Penn. First meeting between these two, April 2nd, 2004, UFC 47. Nick Diaz knocked out Robbie Lawler. What were you doing then, Cody Merrow? You're like 10 years old or something. Um, so Brian Lawler, a slight favorite, at least right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, who wins this featured bout and how do they get it done? Can we take a minute and just appreciate the Diaz brothers and whole, but Nick Diaz, he hasn't fought in six years, hasn't won in 10 years. And we're all talking about him. John's giddy to call his fight. I'm excited. Like a little kid, the Diaz bros move the needle. I fucking love (laughs) it. I love this fight. This was actually my very first pay-per-view I ever bought was UFC 47. I haven't missed one since. That was my very first one. So this first fight holds a special place in my heart. Now, um, as, as far as the fight go, Bob Lawler, you know, the guy hasn't really uh-huh. had a he hasn't really had a good uh, stretch lately. The Neil Magny fight, I really thought he matched up well with Neil if he could take stop his takedown. But And physically, he looks great. Robbie Lawler does. He moved camp. I believe yeah. he was on Sanford MMA for a while. Um, and I thought he looked physically looked great, but he just, it's just not there anymore. I don't know if it's gun shyness or what the guy hasn't had a finish since 2015 against Roy McDonald, which is surprising because he throws hands, you know, he's about, you know, he's huge, you know, big, big power. Enter Nick Diaz. Again, John mentioned it hasn't won since 2011 against BJ Penn hasn't had a fight since Anderson Silva in 2015, but you know what to expect with Diaz. I don't care if it's 10 years since he's won six years off, he could be 60 in the octagon. He's coming forward. He's throwing hands. He's putting his pity pat punches together. He's trying to keep his head off the center line. He's going to throw some weird kicks, but he's going to wear down Robbie Lawler. I love that this is a five-round fight. I love the number. I think the number's right. I think Vegas is right. They're getting two-way action here. But I'm not picking against Nick Diaz here. Two and nine for the win. Let's give me Nick Diaz. And I think he's going to stop him, too. I think it's if you're firing wow. around, I think it's going to be a TKO round four. He's going to wear him down. Robbie's going to just, you know, eat a lot of punches. And then eventually Nick's just going to get him. It could be a club sub. 
But I do like a finished prop in this fight. I like that club and sub, but BP is on the Nick Diaz side. And you get underdog points on this show. Modest 105, at least right now, for Nick Diaz. Ken Flo, a little bit of shine for Robbie Lawler. He's fought him all, became the undisputed champ back in 2014. On paper right now at this stage of his career, despite what Brian acknowledged about him physically, because there's no doubt he's in great shape right now. But he has lost four in a row. RDA, Askren, Covington, and then Magny, that fight was August 29th of 2020. So it's been more than a year since Lawler has fought. That being said, he has had seven fights since Nick Diaz last competed in MMA. He has Lawler too. Ken Flo beckons this weekend. Your thoughts? Yeah, crazy. Um, you know, I, I think that Robbie Lawler is a guy who's extremely dangerous. I think he is a very different fighter, obviously, than the first time they had fought. He was very raw, certainly had the power, had the aggression. Um, but didn't know how to channel it, didn't know how to pace himself, didn't have the sophistication that he has now. Uh, and the same can be said for Nick Diaz. This is a guy who uh, knows how to employ his game plan, knows how to use the right tactics and at the right time. And he has been blessed with that Diaz chin and that Diaz durability. Uh, and he's proven that durability is a true superpower. And, you know, we haven't seen him uh, as of late, of course. He obviously had... Um, you know, some suspensions and different things. And, um, and you know, I, I'm curious to see what kind of uh, Robbie Lawler we're going to see and what kind of Nick Diaz we're going to see. Nick Diaz's last win was this. Uh, his, so his last win was the month that I retired in 2011. I think October 2011 yeah. was my last right. fight. Uh, so uh, I'm curious to see how he's going to look. I, I think he has stayed training uh, for the most part. I think that he has learned a lot and he's an excellent martial artist. I think it's going to be tough for Robbie Lawler to take him out, but it is possible for Robbie Lawler to knock any man out. He has no that doubt. kind of power. Um, but I like Nick Diaz here as well. I think his durability, his, his ability to put together combinations, his ability to pressure at the right time. And I think because we have two Southpaws going out of here, that is always kind of, uh, not always, but it's often uh, kind of, taking Robbie Lawler out of his game, especially when you have a guy who can jab as well as Nick Diaz. I think that could potentially throw off Robbie Lawler. Um, I, I like what they're saying is in, in Robbie Lawler's camp, they say they want to blend the aggression with, uh, with, you know, the technical ability that he has now, but I, I think it's going to be difficult to do against Nick Diaz. I like Nick here. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of unknowns in this fight, but uh, I'm going to go with Nick Diaz. I like Nick Diaz. Let's go uh, TKO. Uh, round five. Whew. You guys are getting me excited. You guys are getting me excited. By the way, Brian, when Kenny yes. retired in 2011, he made it official in December. I was really holding out hope for one more because <laughs> super fight at like 55 or 65, but uh, the back just wouldn't hold up. You know, yeah. he's no. not going to present a lesser version. He's just not, you know, not, a, he's not a prize fighter in the truest sense. He cashed the check. But he wasn't, wasn't fighting for money. He was fighting for glory. All right. Yes. Co-headliner for the UFC Women's Flyweight Championship, Valentina Shevchenko, minus 1375. Lauren Murphy, plus 800. Shevchenko trying to make it six consecutive successful title defenses. Murphy on the other side has won five in a row. And if she wins six in a row, she will have effectively flipped the entire mixed martial arts world on its axis. Brian Petrie, Colonel Mustard with the lead pipe in the octagon. Shevchenko versus Murphy. Who wins it? How do they get it done, Brian? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, there's a saying in, in, you know, when you bet college football, you, you don't win money betting against Alabama. You don't, you don't uh -huh. win money betting for Valentina. I mean, 
she's always so high. I mean, unless you have a, an Ian Parker bankroll, what, I mean, what are we doing here with right. this number? Um, Ian, uh, Laura Murphy, though, I love her story, what she's come from, what she's done, what she's battled back from. I mean, that's fantastic. She, she's physical in the octagon. I don't think she's great anywhere. She's like a jack of all trades. She's, she, she likes to get in there and mix it up, get you to the ground, beat you up, beat you up in the clinch. But like her stand up doesn't really explode, you know, blow me away. And her jujitsu's good. I mean, don't get me wrong, but it's not there. But I love her story. I, I love, she deserves this fight. Plus 800. I wish, again, I wish I put my nuts on the table and be like, yeah, I'm taking this 800. Yeah. I'm going to stay away from this fight betting altogether. I think Valentina is great. I, you know, there's a lot of arguments out there that she might be the best female fighter in the world, which is wrong. She's not Amanda Nuna, it is. But um, I, uh, I, I like Valentina here. I think she's going to, she's going to get it done. Laura Murphy, just what really shied me away was the Joanne Calderwood fight. Last fight out, I, I actually thought she lost. She slowed down yeah. a little bit. All respect to JoJo. I love JoJo Calderwood, but you know, I think Valentina is a different piece and Valentina has been, been taking people down lately. She's not just a striker. She'll get on top of you, elbow your fucking head off. Um, I like Valentina by Tico round two. I think the first round is going to be rough for Lauren. And I think the second round Valentina is prioritizing a finish for this fight. So give me Valentina. I think maybe a prop bet is a play here, but 1375, I can't touch. All right, Chevchenko round two TKO for Brian Petrie. I believe Murphy would become the first Alaskan born UFC champion born in Anchorage. Uh, Ken Flo obviously uh, down, you know, 15 points in the standings. If you did pick Lauren Murphy and she won, it would be a nine pointer for you. So yeah, uh, perhaps some incentive there, but obviously Shevchenko uh, prohibitively priced according to Brian. What do you think about uh, the co-main event? Yeah, listen, I, I think that Brian did a, a very good breakdown here. I, I think that Valentina is so well-rounded and so good everywhere that, you know, it's tough for any woman in the world in that weight class to even give her a good fight. I think that Lauren Murphy is as tough as they come. Um, you know, I think physically and technically she's made some big time changes, um, you know, with her game. The, the one thing where, you know, that really concerns me for her, especially early on in this fight is the fact that she stands right in front of her opponents when she's throwing combinations and if she's watching her work or standing right in front of someone like Valentina Shevchenko, um, it's just not a good idea. Um, and even if that's like not a part of their game plan, that's just something that she does. And it's a hard habit to break. One doesn't just change that overnight. Um, and it certainly doesn't happen, um, you know, from camp to camp, from fight to fight. So uh, to me, I think Shevchenko is going to take advantage of that. I think she catches her uh, probably early in the fight. Uh, I would love to go with round. I was going to go uh, with round two as well. I'll go with round one here. And this is no disrespect to Lauren Murphy and what she's accomplished here at this point of her career to get here is just amazing. Uh, but I, I think that she's dealing with a woman in Valentina Shevchenko who just has too many weapons and, and too much firepower here. She likes those extra rubies for title defenses on her championship belt. All right. Main event for the UFC featherweight title. How you going? Alexander Volkanovsky, minus 160. Brian Ortega, plus 140. So we mentioned earlier this fight initially slated for March. They coached opposite each other on the Ultimate Fighter. Now it shall be done. Ortega, just one fight since his first title shot, which came against Max Holloway late 2018. But of course, what an appearance it was for T-City last October. High-profile main event win over the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung on Fight Island. That has earned him a second shot. At Volkanovsky, who has won 19 in a row, BP, who do you have in the main event, and how do they get it done? I love this fight. This is 
I mean, this is what you this is what you buy the pay-per-view. I mean, I know people are coming for Nick Diaz, but this is high, high level MMA, and that's what I love. I mean, this is there's no way this is gonna be a walkover for either guy. Alexander Volkanovsky, for whatever reason, it's stuck in my dumb brain. I fade the guy. I, you know, I I I think it's one-on-one against Max, but he, both times I was against him. I was against him against the Chan Mednez. I, I was against him against Jose Aldo. I fade this guy. I don't know why he's an elite guy. There's nothing wrong with him. He's great. He's nice. I watched the Elgin fighters. Seems like a great <laughs> dude. Yeah. But Brian Ortega, you know, when he came in, there was a lot of fights where he was like losing and I'm like, Oh, this kid, you know, he's losing a little bit. And then he went and he lives. And that just shows to me early on in your young career, when you're, when you're getting whooped on by, you know, keeps getting taken down by Clay Guida and you come back and choke him out. That, I mean, that's, a, that's incredible. Um, and, and I love Brian Ortega coming back. He, I think, I believe he switched a, a few things in his coaching came back on that zombie fight right. and just looked phenomenal. I mean, that spinning elbow was, was incredible. His stand-up looked great. We know he's lethal on the ground. This guy, anywhere the fight goes, is a problem. Volkanovski, you know, this guy likes to mix his strikes up really well. His footwork is phenomenal. I mean, we saw in the Max Holloway fight, his leg kicks are great, and he likes to wrestle a little bit. I think that's going to be a mistake if he tries that with, with uh, Brian uh, Ortega because Ortega's got that fucking guillotine from death. Um but listen, when you're looking at the numbers, again, I'm just going to go old, dumb Brian Brain and fade Volkanovski again. I'm going to go Ortega by the points. Um, plus 140, I like it. I think that's a good bet as well. I think we're getting a new champ here. I really like the improvements Ortega made in the zombie fight. There's no walk in the park. And I actually like Ortega. I think the easier route would be maybe sub because he's so good everywhere. I actually like it by KO. You know, Volkanovski's been wobbled a little bit. He got dropped in the max fight. Chad Mendes touched him a little bit. Yep. I think Ortega can can touch him, and, and I think that's going to be a nice, juicy plus number when the props come out. Uh, so give me Ortega round two. I think we're getting a new champ, boys. All right. Brian Petrie likes Brian Ortega round two, knockout or TKO. So Ken Flo Volkanovski turns 33 four days after the fight. Uh, and again, I think part of the reason he's not as celebrated as some of the other champions is that inactivity. This will just be his second title defense. Um, but a lot of things make him dangerous. He is the rightful betting favorite here. What do you think about the main event, Ken Flo, at UFC 266? You know, I, I think the other reason why he perhaps is not as celebrated is the fact that he doesn't make it as exciting as, say, some other guys. But he does exactly what he needs to do to win. And that counts for something. And Brian, I've uh, definitely written him off many times as well. Um, he, he's quiet, but again, he, he does exactly what he needs to do to win. I think his, his MMA IQ is intelligent to something that is vastly underrated. Uh, and uh, while I do agree that Max Holloway won that second fight, there's no doubt about it that it was close. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think that Volko is, um, you know, a guy that does his preparations. Now, I, I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that he wasn't able to, to be with city kickboxing here for this fight. Um, you know, I, I think that that is interesting, but, um, and, and you look at Ortega and what he's done. I, I think he looked very, very different, uh, in his last fight uh, against Korean zombie. He looked like a guy who had way more weapons. He looked way more comfortable out there. I remember, when I criticized uh, his loss uh, against Holloway and I said that he needed to make some serious coaching changes and I can't tell you how many messages I got and say how that, how disrespectful that was. And, yeah. you know, that's the guy that got him there. Well, he did make those coaching changes right, right. And, and we've seen a big difference now. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think he's extremely dangerous. If there's a guy that gets to finish, I would be leaning towards Ortega. He's a submission machine. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of tools on on the on the feet that make him flashy and dangerous. 
However, I'm, I got to go with consistency here. I, I like Volkanovsky. Um, I see him winning here. I see him winning by decision. Um, he could maybe get the win as well uh, by finish, but uh, I'm going to go with consistency. I'm going to go with his ability to win each round. Um, so I, I like Volkanovsky, and uh, I think it's going to be an unbelievable fight. Oh, man, you guys are doing all my prep for me. If you want more from Brian Petrie when he gets back from vacation at MMA Takes <laughs> Podcast. Hey, brother, thanks for stepping up. Great job with the handicap, and you can be sure uh, we will talk to you down the line, my friend. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Favorite podcast. I love you guys. Kenny, big fan. John, you're the man, you're a legend. Dude. Thanks, guys. My man. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, brother. Brian Petrie with us from the MMA Takes Podcast today for the main event challenge. All right. One final order of business. It is the pick to click. It's presented by oddshark.com, the most reliable source for sports betting information with the latest odds, insight, and analysis on everything UFC. You got to check out oddshark.com slash UFC. Get all you need to know before placing bets on the upcoming fights this weekend. The Oddshark Fight Center is there. Outstanding resource for fans and media alike. All the matchup information, and it's all presented in a nice, ingestible way. They're also giving you all the odds from various sports books as well, which is sort of nice to take a look as to some of the prices and how they bounce around. And I can tell you firsthand, their experts have all been watching and capping MMA for a long time. So check it out in advance of UFC 266. Oddshark.com slash UFC. Don't forget the second S. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, and now joining us, sports betting analyst from Oddshark.com. He is Joe Osborne on social media at JTFOZ and on Instagram. Paper Chaser Joe, my man, it's great to see you. No pay-per-view week is complete without you, man. How you doing? Guys, I'm good. Football's back. You guys know I love the grind of uh of another football season, right? So we're about two weeks in at this point. And if somebody tells you they have the NFL figure out this oh. season, they're lying to you. So don't listen to them, right? We need a few more weeks to figure this thing out, I think. At least. And uh, I was thinking about you a little bit yesterday. Of course, I'm here in South Florida and your Miami Dolphins lose to the Bills 35 nil. I'm sorry to bring it up, but of course, I'm driving around taking my kids to school today. And you should hear the tone of South Florida sports radio. I mean, what a difference a week makes after it went over the past seven days. It brought back some familiar memories, right? I was, I was pretty, I was pretty pleased with the uh, the ugly win they got in New England. You take that as an underdog, a hundred times out of out of a hundred, and then you were hoping, you know, they got their ass kicked in the last uh, regular season game last year versus the Bills, and right. hoping for a bit of redemption. Right off the bat, it turned to shit, and it right stayed away. like yeah. shit for the entire <laughs> game. So. Yeah. I was looking forward to that game, and uh, sadly, uh, it went about as bad as it could possibly go. So we're on to the Raiders in week three. Well, I can't emphasize enough. uh, If you are betting Major League Baseball down the stretch, which has actually burned me quite a bit, or betting the NFL, uh, you want to follow Joe Osborne. All right, I'm going to start with Valentina Shevchenko and Lauren Murphy because I'm curious how you approach a fight like this, when you're looking at a minus 1400 favorite that seemingly cashes every time, mm. but it does get tricky when you go proposition hunting because she can knock you out. She can submit you. Um, will you have action on Shevchenko and do you give Lauren Murphy any crack at plus 800 or so? Uh, I do not. And I do have action on Shevchenko. I think it's my favorite spot on the entire card guys. And it's the Shevchenko by K- uh, KO slash TKO prop coming in at around minus 135, depending on where, you sh- uh, where you're doing your sports betting. And it's really a simple handicap, guys. Lauren Murphy gets hit a lot. 
She has a negative striking differential within the UFC. Two of her last four fights, she's been on the wrong end of over 100 significant strikes. These are three-round fights, as you guys know, that she's been in. Now she's going up against one of the most dynamic strikers in the sport, regardless of uh, weight class, male or female. Shevchenko is one of the best that there is in all of the UFC. And she has TKO victors in three of her last five fights, all coming within three rounds. So I don't know how Murphy is going to survive five rounds here with her, right? So there's just not a whole lot of competition for Shevchenko right now within that division. Uh, Murphy, more of a brawler, and I think she's going to be in trouble. I think we're going to see Shevchenko get the timing down, land a counter, and uh, get the TKO. Minus 135, that is a great spot in my opinion. Joe, I, I, out of all the fights here, I, I think the one with the most unknowns is Robbie Lawler against Nick Diaz here. It, it, it's a tough one because we haven't seen, uh, you know, obviously Nick in a long time. And with Lawler, uh, you don't know who's going to show up. Uh, how do you see this fight, man? I think you're kind of guessing in this one if you're trying to handicap Nick Diaz a little bit. And my, my question about Diaz is, okay, what's his motivation? coming into this fight is he back in love with the sport and wants to get in the mix for a title shot or is he there to collect a check which is probably a pretty big one i would imagine if he's coming back here right so with that said with the odds virtually a pick him i'm gonna go with the guy who has at least one win over the last nine years and the guy that's accumulated rounds versus some pretty good competition over the past decade in Robbie Lawler, like I said, who knows what Nick Diaz's uh, motivation is. He's been pretty aloof, to be completely honest. I think that's a good word to describe him uh, when you've seen him in the media uh, and things of that nature. So, yeah, I don't know what his motivation is. Uh, Part of me thinks it might be there just to collect a check. So I'll go with Lawler, who's been the much more active fighter. He's obviously on the downswing of his career, too. But I think you're kind of guessing with Nick Diaz, and that's a bit dangerous. you know. You can guess that he'll be back to his old self with the pitter-patter, high-volume striking. Uh, He's probably going to have the durability. He's going to have the gas tank. But uh, I I think there's more to support Robbie here, especially how to pick him. And I like the way you phrased it in terms of the round accumulation for Robbie Lawler. And for me, again, I have to stay out of these conversations because of what my job is. But largely, it's a simple handicap for me. I would have tremendous pause as a better walking to the window, betting on Nick Diaz when his last win came in 2011. So maybe I would lay off if I wasn't convicted on the Lawler side, but I don't know. I I will admit to being surprised that this fight seems to be taking two-way action right now because of all the unknowns, um, at least on the Nick Diaz side for me. And by the way, Cody points out, yeah, last disclosed purse for Nick Diaz, $500,000 at UFC 183 in 2015, but he was fined uh, 20% of that purse. Nice chunk of change there. Yeah. All right. Before we let you fly, um, main event, Alexander Mm -hmm. Volkanovsky, minus 160, Brian T. City, Ortega, plus 140. Uh, Will you have a bet on the uh, featherweight title fight? Yeah, I think there's more to like about Volkanovski here, especially now at uh, minus 160. I think he opened around minus 185, which I was kind of lukewarm on. But uh, I think there's more pointing towards him coming into this fight. You know, he hasn't lost since 2013, guys. 19 straight wins, 9-0 and in the UFC. And here's what I like, 9-0 and in the UFC. And he's outlanded his opponent in terms of significant strikes in all nine of those fights. Wow. Meanwhile, you take a look at Brian Ortega. He's been outlanded in six of his nine UFC fights. 
And he's put himself in positions where he's fighting from behind from time to time. And that's due to that negative striking differential that he does have. So I like Volkanovski in this one. I think the price is fair, minus 160. Now, the one red flag that throws a bit of a wrench in my confidence in Volkanovski is Ortega's most recent performance versus the Korean Zombie. You know, the guy virtually disappears for two years after Max Holloway. I think it's fair to say Max Holloway embarrassed them, right? So he disappeared for two years. He comes back, and then he puts on an unbelievable performance versus uh, the Korean zombie right. there. Uh, that said, though, that's a one-fight sample size. I will go with the bigger sample size from what we've seen from both of the guys. And I think Volkanovski here to retain uh, minus 160 fair price. And like I said, he's outlanded uh, everyone in every fight he's been in. And look at some of the names. Max Holloway twice. Jose Aldo, two of the yeah, most decorated strikers in the UFC, at least in that weight class, right? So, yeah, I like Volkanovski to uh, to retain the championship here in uh, what will probably be a long fight. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go the distance. Joe, and, and I think something to mention, you know, to your point, you know, while he did look impressive uh, against Korean Zombie and, and, um, and while he did, and while Ortega did show that he had new skills, that was like, one of the guys where he was going to have an advantage in the striking differential Korean zombie gets hit so much in his fight. So it was a good way for him to look good in a lot of ways, but uh, we shall see. It's going to be a great fight. All right. On Twitter at JTFOZ on Instagram, he is paper chaser, Joe. He's been really hot with the UFC stuff. By the way, I just have to acknowledge your Derek Brunson play at plus plus one sixty or so, because you sit in the back room, you hear our two cappers both pick, on the other side of that fight and you sort of lay back in the cut, you stick to your guns and uh, that's why they pay you the big bucks, I guess, Joe. So Joel, excuse me. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we had a little bit of luck with uh, Darren Till was injured apparently going into that fight. So maybe a bit of luck worked out for or me, maybe but ultimately <laughs> my, uh, my, my, my sentiment in that one is that yeah. I thought there uh, Till was, has been overrated and Brunson's been dramatically underrated yeah. and uh, it worked to my advantage in that one. So I was happy to collect on that fight. All right, my man. Well, I'll be watching your every move uh, over this NFL season. We will talk to you in a few weeks in advance of UFC 267. Joe Osborne, thank you very much, my friend. All right, guys. Good luck and good luck to all the listeners out there. Good stuff, Joe. I like how he always uh, wishes the listeners uh, good luck on the board, you know. All right. Thank you all for being with us today. Thank you to our guests, Ray Longo, Brian Petrie, Joe Osborne. Don't forget all the merchandise can be found at anaclorianpodcast.com. The one more sleep merch is at millions.co. Also, Ken Flo's YouTube channel is live. All sorts of Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. It's not like a, a tour of his home in North Carolina. It's BJJ stuff. So if that's what you want, FlowTube is live and we're back in your life next Monday, September 27th. Huge UFC 266 recap show uh, forthcoming. Hope you'll join us also for the UFC Hall of Fame induction ceremony live on UFC Fight Pass Thursday night. Uh, with that, for the fucking legend, Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for watching, subscribing, for liking. Tell your friends. We'll talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, go later.